Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, boys. Before we get into the intro and into the podcast, I'm going to do a prelude to the podcast in an Eddie Butler style. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Exciting. Three men... One rugby dungeon, a dark and testosterone-filled room, a wash with stash. JB, cutting a confused figure, a Welshman who hates South Walians. <laughs> a solitary vein popping out of his head, should anyone criticise Miles Benjamin. Phil, with his binary, number-filled matrix brain is ready to unleash a swarm of stampeding stats. But this stampede has been fully risk-assessed. And Tim, (laughs) Captain Sensible, the host with the most. If you're counting name drops, that is. The trio await their arena. Microphones up. Let the boys pod. Uh, Pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. Pod. Yeah, the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Thank you, Eddie Butler, for that wonderful intro there. Uh, I'm Tim. That's JB. Hello, Tim. And over there is Philip. Hi, Tim. Uh, how are we then, gents? You all right? Very well, thank you. Yeah, very good, thanks, Tim. You like, okay? Uh, yeah, good. I'm, I'm good. It's uh, been a... I don't know how it is for the rest of the country, but it certainly looks from the rugby that we've seen that it's been bright, almost spring-like, a bit cold, and that has had a positive impact on some of the rugby, at least. Uh, but maybe not so much the rugby we're going to be talking about today, because this is the Six Nations podcast. We're going to be talking about everything Six Nations. So this week, two podcasts. Uh, the second, all about domestic rugby, super rugby. This one, all about the Six Nations. Very oh, good. Uh, yeah, so get in touch with us uh, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. We've had loads more um, contact with you there. And I'm just going to mention James McGuane, who definitely deserves a mention. He tweeted us a picture from the Sunday Times, where they have a section <laughs> for listener, well, for readers' letters. And James got his letter in the Times and perpetuated the rule that Jamie Roberts manages to move forward three metres at a time, no more, no less. Exactly right. <laughs> Which is exactly JB's right. theory. He said, and this is a quote from the Times, Stephen Jones says Manu Tuolangi should de- develop his kicking and passing game, but what of Jamie Roberts, who is lauded for his play, which consists simply of carrying the ball three metres at, at a time and making big hits in defence? Uh, well done, James, for your work. JB approves wholeheartedly. Exactly. Uh, right, Six Nations then. 
before we get into the actual games, I want to start here because we've already heard from Eddie Butler. We've got him to do a brilliant intro for the podcast, as you just heard a yes. minute ago. But he was part of, and I'm going to put it out there, the worst commentary team to do a Six Nations rugby match. It wasn't great, was it? I think you and I, for one of the very few times, are completely on the same page here. Completely. I, I like a bit of negativity occasionally where it's deserved. But... The thing I thought when I'm watching this is, if you ever watch the NFL, or you ever watch, in fact, you ever watch BT Sport, all the crew watching the game, it's almost like they appreciate being there. They can't believe they're making money to watch the thing that they, that they love happen live, live um, on air and tell everyone else about it. Yeah, these three were the most bitter, um, just almost nasty individuals I've ever heard. Yeah. They just. Whinge and whinge and whinge, like it's some sort of birthright that they should be there, and they want you to know that they were better. That's the thing; it's them wanting to like. It's almost like in, in my day, it was so much better than this, and it's terrible now. I mean, they were good players. Jonathan yeah, Davis was Jonathan a great Davis player. Was a brilliant. Brian player. Moore wasn't oh, the world's best ever hooker. We well, played in a World Cup final. He he's played at a top level. He has a right to have an opinion. Absolutely, and, and, he and, does. And, and opinions are brilliant. But I think, like you say, what they where they crossed over on Friday night in. Before uh, during the Wales France game was just a turgid whinge fest. Do you yeah. know what though? How much uh, the general impression of that game is it wasn't great, but how much better would the impression be if the commentators were positive? Do you know, like if you watch NFL and like this is the most exciting world championship <laughs> since the last world championship? I, would, I wouldn't have bought it if they'd have been not calling a spade a spade. If they'd have been saying it was amazing when it wasn't, I wouldn't have bought it. However, I think like you say, there's what I, what I liked conversely by the the IT coverage uh, the ITV coverage was the and what you get from BT Sport and you even get it more so from Sky Sports as well with guys like Will Greenwood is you is the actual ana- analytical yeah. input yeah. rather than just because whinging. that's what you want from these guys because they've been there and done it they have a perspective that's unique that certainly none of us can give and, and a lot of people can't give yeah I've got a little clip of Jonathan Davis I want to play Go is, for this, it. is this from Friday night this is from Friday so night so listen then so Wayne Barnes is about to have a chat with his South African TMO about a potential tip tackle by uh, Dante, was it? The, or Dante the 12. Dante yes. the 12, the French 12, uh, on a Welsh player near the French line. Um, and you can't hear a word any of them say uh, because Jonathan Davis is just bleating over the top. That's a tip tackle. Just a penalty, though. Thanks. Yep. Sean, uh, just slightly on our horizontal, oh, so there is a lift. But we're talking just penalty. Anything to add to that? What am I listening to? Did he just repeat, Wayne? So we've got a lift behind the horizontal. Is that what you're That's what I saw. And then driving him into the ground. It carried on like that for a full minute until, and I'll give props to Eddie Butler on this one. Have a listen to Eddie Butler at the end. Just told him to shut up. <laughs> Do you know what? Just giving an idea of an actual real-life bit of commentary that I once heard. I was watching State of Origin about six years ago, and the game, a ball hadn't been kicked, and the commentators, two of them behind the posts, said, this is the greatest game in <laughs> any code. <laughs> I want to listen to what those guys have to say. <laughs> All right, here's a hypothetical for you then. Would you rather have BBC coverage with its extended build-up, like two, three-hour programme, lengthy pre- and post-match chat mm-hmm. with its cast of... Grumpy old men. Grumpy old men, basically. Grumpy old 
ungrateful men. That's a bit <laughs> the one that or gets me. Or would you take ITV's ad-filled, abruptly ending coverage that had no post-match chat whatsoever? Do you know what? I actually like ads. I like I like to understand and respect the people that actually fund the whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so actually, spoken, ITV, like, spoken like a true financial yeah, advisor. Uh, you know, uh, ITV because they have this um, they have this idea that it should be fun that we should actually be enjoying what we're watching. Well, they're, so they're basically f- they're basically following the BT Sport blueprint, almost, yeah. aren't they? With with eighty percent of the same team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would actually go for the ITV as well because very frequently it's nice to pop off for a brew or a beer or whatever uh, during the ad breaks, uh, and then you still get like the good insightful punditry. Yeah, it should be quality rather than quantity. Owen tweeted us to at Rugby Podcast said anybody that complains about halftime adverts. In actually, it was with Steve, the uh, Exeter Chiefs fan. Uh, anybody who complains about half-time adverts in ITV rugby coverage isn't using their time wisely. In, you should be going to the bar slash fridge exactly. to get more drinks. Exactly. Very good point. I would say that the one thing they could have done because the ITV coverage got cut short because they had to go to Ant and Dex Saturday night takeaway <laughs> surely Ant McPartlin's head it, forehead is large enough that we could, you could have a screening projector. screen projected <laughs> onto his forehead continue the rugby coverage on that now for dual screen with Ant and Dex <laughs> could they not have just pushed it back 20 minutes or 15 minutes well they've got a, sh- a schedule to keep at least the game you know, the game's been played I don't need to see anymore in fact if you want after game coverage download our podcast don't watch ITV good yeah Oh, very that, good. Point. That's a great point, JP. And as we know from the ITV coverage itself, uh, the, guy, the uh, number of the members of that team are listeners to the podcast. Hello, Nick Mullins and Co. Yes. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, right. So onto the games itself. Then let's start with Friday night. Was it a rubbish game? Then no. I'll put that question. Was it a terrible match? Because it's been reported as being a real drab affair. So for me, no. Providing you are a real rugby aficionado, you have to be a real fan to appreciate a game like that. For the casual viewer, I think it would be a bit boring. Um, but for people like us, I loved it. Oh, I thought it was incredible. I, I loved the Welsh defence, and we've seen it time and time again. And France had they had huge amounts of territory in possession, and Wales's defence was just. Do you know what it was? Mm. It was rugby for adults. Um, not, not just no, like, it's not even adults. For... I, I go along with what Phil said. Rugby. It was a. It was a, a game for purists. Yeah. yeah. It's like. It's like the difference between just wanting sugar, 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 and then having a bit more of an educated palate and you know in, enjoying the odd truffle. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love to describe it as a truffle compared to a bag of Haribo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly what it is. Uh, I love the way the whales are so comfortable on their own five metre line. I've said it before, but this really... I mean, there's a, a little uh, phase of the Ireland versus Wales game last year when Ireland were camped on the, on the Welsh five metre and Wales just marched them out. Well, they took it to new levels uh, on Friday. They had the French in their own 22 for 20 minutes. They conceded three penalties and defended three driving malls. Yeah. It, it's almost unheard of. I do respect the... Well, no, this is it. I'd say it isn't unheard of. I'd say that's been the blue print for this Six Nations it's I've never seen anyone defend 20 minutes no no like yeah. alright the specific nature of that 20 minute spell in the second half where you know France had 75% possession uh, in the second half and, and Wales kept them out uh, I, I, I respect the, 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 the effort and the Welsh defence and the aggressiveness of their line speed and all the rest of it and the commitment of the tackling but again it, I don't think that stacks up 
when you face really good attacking sides? Maybe not, but maybe it does. Because, I mean, Wales were only... I mean, Wales was so close to beating both South Africa and, and Australia. Could have, would have, should have, I, I guess. But, but they were. Uh, and the, the beautiful thing about what Wales do is it's kind of rugby at its best, which is it's got all, all the right hallmarks, bravery, endeavour. Um, it gets the most out of these, these guys who aren't the best athletes in world rugby, but they might be the best team. Rugby at its best? Rugby at really? its best. Alex, Alex Cuthbert? Yeah, but you know, Alex Cuthbert is a rubbish rugby player, and yet he's part of this incredible team. <laughs> you know, they're, and you're, you're, you're stretching things a bit here. <laughs> they are an incredible team. They're an they incredible are, team. They are and an they, incredible team. And when I say team, I don't mean they are the best team in the world at all. What I mean is they perform so much better than the individuals. Yeah, if, that all comes down to the ethos that that Welsh team possesses. I was really surprised. The first five minutes, I was like, oh, hello, Wales are offloading the ball. They're, they're yeah. passing in contact. They're like four offloads in the first 20 I know, and then, and then they sort of went, oh, no, we'll forget that again. Hang, Much, on, hang on a minute. It's like, <laughs> it's the ball. I'm looking at it, right? Here's the way I see it. I think that what's going on here is Rob Howley's influence is, oh, is creeping in more and more and more, and Warren Gatland is giving way to Rob Howley ever slightly inch by inch because I think they they all recognise that they're not going to do better than they've done doing the same thing but it's going to be a really slow process I think you might be right there that Howley is slowly getting more influence although I think he'll be gone soon I think they'll probably bring in Stephen Jones but here is the point I would make if he is getting influence it'll be interesting to see if he gets Scott who what's his name Scott Williams Scott Williams back, back, back in the team because mm. Scott Williams is everything an attacking rugby player should be but to get him in the team you've got to get rid of Jamie Roberts who is everything that this Welsh team is yeah that's a good point that's a good, good analogy and, and you just you also look at the length of time it's going to take as well because the primary thing in the Six Nations is actually winning the games you've got to win the game there's only five matches you have to yeah. win you have to win everything so above all else win ugly and then after that, you can slowly, if you're starting to win, you can slowly start to make the changes in the manner in which you're playing. I, just a quick question. Who do you think is faster? Because Danny Kerr has a real reputation for being a, a fast scrum off. Uh, well, actually, Simpson has a, very, uh, a, a big reputation for being a fast scrum off. How about uh, Gareth Davis? He's he's quick. My word, he's, he's like got, the Millennium Falcon. It's, it's acceleration, isn't it? As much as actual yeah. top speed, it's the... Oh, when he, he just decides to go. And yeah. I'd still he, say... I'd still say um, Simpsons, Simpson and uh, Matawalu, Simpson and Matawalu, yeah, are the Matawalu's. two faster scrumarves, and then b- both Webb and Gareth Davies can't be far behind. Gareth Davies rem- reminds me of Gareth Cooper and, oh, the, and, the, and the acceleration he used to have from scrum half in a world kind of build as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, now, uh, exactly what you said. You said win ugly. It's all about winning and all the rest of it. Colm Doherty is a listener to the podcast, and he tweeted a little uh, exchange that he had with. Brian O'Driscoll on Twitter. Yes, I saw this. So he so he tweeted us the picture of this little thing and said, you know, nothing like getting schooled by your hero. And what what <laughs> what uh, what Colm did is he tweeted Brian O'Driscoll. In my head, the Six Nations is now over for Ireland. It's a training camp for us. We should rest Sexton, focus on McCloskey and Henshaw, a new back row and and scrum. Brian O'Driscoll's response to that is. Winning games is worth too much pride, money, whatever way you think about it, to ever think like that. Yeah, Win, winning is number important. one. Now, interestingly, we'll, we'll go on to the, the the game on Saturday in a minute. But Scotland have actually been playing good rugby for a couple of years, 
and they've won nine. Uh, sorry, they lost nine on the bounce. This was their first win in nine attempts. So they've almost been trying to do it the other way around to get the rugby going first. Mm. Uh, and then hoping that winning catches up, but it's taken a long time, and they've only won one against Italy. Do you know what? It's one of those things. It's very easy to say, isn't it? When you're winning, you know, the pro- it's all oh, it's all about the process, and the winning just looks after itself. <laughs> Quick question about France: Are they how how rubbish are they they're or not, not? They're not rubbish. I don't think they're rubbish, but they are nowhere near the sum of their parts. To, to link back to what yeah. you said about Wales, the talent that they've got in that team, the number of players they've got in who are seriously, like, potentially world-class players, but they are nowhere near their potential. I think this team's going to come good. Maybe not... I thought they'd come good by the end of Six Nations, but maybe not. In Gerardo, they've got a real leader. Yeah. I bet they're going young. They've got all of this talent across their back line, as most French teams do, and they've got a pretty big pack. Oh, and they're fairly young. All they needed, David Smith. He would have made all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite funny, actually. I, would, I loved that story. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it, who, who, who tweeted something like... Um, Oh, something like Crisis in France as they, as they run out of Fijian-born wingers or something. Yeah. I can't remember you know, what it was. You know there's really a seri- I've, I've got the tweet somewhere here. You know there's a, a serious injury problem in France when they run out of Fijian wingers. <laughs> 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 I think they will be a good team. I actually think the coach is a fairly astute appointment. Everyone says he's 10 years too late. And I get that in a club environment. But if you just want, want to get him playing good French rugby, yeah, I, think, I got, think they'll do that. He's got pedigree like... Like, like no one else really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one thing I will say with France, they and I've I've actually been saying this for a long time. They have to start playing Tranduk. Oh, Tranduk is yes. a world class ten, and he has never had a proper run in the French team. He's always been on the periphery. He made 10. such a difference. France dominated territorially, and Wales held them out. Yes, but they dominated territorially, and it was I think largely due to Tranduk, Para and Tranduk as a halfback combo. Come yeah. on. They could have had this since 2009. Yeah. But they've, well, just, they've just I don't not. really know anything about Tranduk. Yeah, I've seen him in a French a handful of times. But I, I never watched Montpellier. Get him in a gorgeous blue Adidas front shirt. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I do think that, that, that they'll come round. And I think we'll all rue the day when we said, oh, France are rubbish, uh, this, this coach is too old, etc., etc. Yeah, I think there's uh, a lot more to come. Right. What did you make of... Uh, Eddie Jones off the field because a lot has been made in Ireland. There's a lot of Irish sporting uh, blogs and websites and stuff that are very unhappy with Eddie Jones. Love it. I quite like I, it. I like it. And I like I like that he's not he doesn't take it too seriously as well. Yeah. He's he's almost like baiting the press because he knows they're gonna make a really big deal about it. And then when he's interrogated and asked questions about it, he's like, I oh, can't take this kind of stuff too seriously. I think he's doing really, really well. I, I, so, so, th- so, just in case you missed it, you may, you, you, you may well have spotted it. It's quite a big story, particularly uh, in Ireland. It was a big story, but uh, so Ireland released a bit of information saying that Johnny Sexton had whiplash type injuries, and Eddie Jones said, "If I was his mum and dad, I'd be a bit, I, I'd be concerned for him." Yes, um, and he was saying that's relating to the whiplash injuries. Now, a lot of people said that's really bad out of order bringing Johnny Sexton's mum, no, oh, mum and dad into pipe it. down. Um, but, but it was more than that. It was. You know, also he was very, very bullish in his defence of Mike Brown and the kick. The, the loads of Irish journalists in the post-match press conference wanted to talk about yeah. Mike Brown's use of the boot in a ruck on Conor Murray. It happens, and uh, and he was really, really, really bullish and just wasn't having any of it. Yeah, he, he wasn't. They, they were trying to bait him into saying like, well, they were trying to get him to say it was reckless. Yeah, and he or, just was, he was just having yeah. having none of it. The bullet is reckless. I mean, you can't consider no. everything which you do. 
in a game of rugby because you're busy watching a ball. You know, you can't watch where your hands, your feet, your knees, everything is going. Oh, at no, one no, time. It, 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 it is reckless. These, these were conscious. It no, no, it, it was. No, I'd, I wouldn't say it was reckless. I'd say it was un, unintended and unfortunate yeah. that there was contact with Connor with Connor yeah. Murray. But Connor Murray equally won't lie on the floor holding onto a rugby ball inches from his face. Exactly uh, right. If you're going to lie on the floor holding onto a ball. Then it, you, sh- it should there should be painful consequences. Yeah, I completely I, agree. I, 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 and I think everyone's trying to win. It's worth too. You know, it's too important. You've got to get your hands off that ball. If there'd been a, a stamp, clear stamp on the face or whatever, oh, that's very, different. very different, very, very different. different. And the other thing as well is if there is no danger, is if there is no danger to slowing down a ball, well then you remove the heroic side of slowing down balls. I mean, there are guys like Neil Back who are revered because they didn't mind getting stood on to slow down the ball. Yeah, look at his yeah. face. I know, and that's what made him a hero. <laughs> now, now even I could jump jump over the other side of the record side because there should be no consequences whatsoever. Like, you, you know how when you get, uh, like you bang a bone and it calcifies and like mm. a, a slight lump of bone builds on top? That's why Jacques Berger is, <laughs> his face what is just so lumpy. What a guy. Guy. He just puts his face in places people don't want to put it. So yeah, that was that was a bit of a nonsense. But it made it really endeared me to Eddie Jones because I thought I would love to play for that guy. Well, because he's he's fighting like you are, and I kind of feel yeah. that when Lancaster is involved, it's a bit like no, we're all going to be nice people and we're just going to try really hard. Yeah. Whereas he's like, no, you will go to Italy and you're going to smash them. Yeah, that's and, what we expect. And you and I get, and I don't know whether it's because Eddie Jones is at the helm, and I see that. And I don't know whether there's actually any tangible difference between England, but I see them as slightly meaner yes. and, and not as nice, and I quite like that. Well, the other side is the the Hartley coming in and, and captain in the side, mm. who's great decision, very very much like that. He, he played well, played he very did. well on, on, he did. on Saturday. He did. I thought he was very good. Although his first two games he's been a bit hit and miss, but he, uh, don't forget he's just coming back to fitness as well, so he's uh, he's definitely improving. Uh, so I asked the question: How bad are France or not? How good at England or not? Mm, interesting. Um, I think they're maybe five percent better than they were last year, and I, they were a good team last year. Yeah, but the, the twelve of the guys in that started against Ireland started against Ireland last, last year. year. Yeah, they seem more and c- under Mike Brown would have if he wasn't concussed last yeah, year. Yeah, so they would have been thirteen. Yeah, they seem more certain of themselves. So that sounds like a, you know a, a silly thing to say, but like. The the backs were criticised for not being particularly adventurous. Well, the backs are basically the same guys, yeah. but they all of a sudden seem very competent. You know, they all, all of a sudden seem very, 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 very dangerous. Um, I'd well, also I'd also have to say that uh, Billy Vinopola is ace. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, if you say that's Billy it, he, he could quite he could quite feasibly account for the five percent increase. I think you might yeah. be right on his own. His performances are truly exceptional. I, I've. But I also I also think having um, having Farrell at twelve really gives it a, like a calming influence. There's no kind of headless uh, Billy Twelve Tree stuff or yeah. uncertainty with with Burrell. It's have just it, nice and calm. And have, get, having yeah. another ball player and another kicker to take pressure off Ford because Ford is under a bit of pressure, not least because. I don't think Ben Youngs is playing well at he's all. He's not, no. is he? His passing is poor, and he's gone, gone back to what he used to do, which Crabbing is... Crabbing sideways. Yeah, which is oh, pick God, up, yeah. hold the ball for two seconds, and then pass, which is the last thing that Ford needs. Ford needs time on the ball. 
and he's that's, not getting any. And that's why George Ford looked so good with Peter Stringer at nine last yes. year. Yes. Well, yes. I think it's also that's all that's all Peter Stringer does. I yes. think it's very important as well for George Ford because he himself isn't playing well for Bath partly because of Matawali, basically for the reasons that you said. So to have someone with the composure of Farrell outside of him must must actually be a real help. Mm. Yes. So I think think next week we'll see Care start, and it'll be... Definitely. uh, Well, in two weeks' time we'll see Care start under instructions to get fast ball all the time. If it's on, he'll be able to have a snipe, but none of this pick up crab, look for the half gap, then then pass... It's just, it's not conducive to good template. Ben Youngs feels to me like a guy who's had about a thousand chances to be a starting, no, a really good. He, every now and again, he pulls out a yeah. proper, yeah. like, worldie of a, of a game. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. He's definitely back. He's definitely the best scrum off in England. And then he goes back to this. Yeah. I just, I don't think he's kind of switched on enough to, to be there as an international, international nine. He, his decision making isn't always great. And some of his passes, I mean, for the Watson try. Oh, thank goodness he had Robshaw outside yeah. him to give an amazing mispass. To, to scoop it up off his toes yeah. and then throw a two man mispass over the top. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be left to a blindside flanker to tidy up for a scrum half's terrible pass. Mm. Yes. But fortunately, we've got Robshaw there who can do it. Yeah. Well, Robshaw and Haskell. Who both right? <laughs> Haskell, Haskell has got terrible hands. He just uses them quite well. He does, exactly. yeah. He does lots of other stuff. So, yeah, I thought Ben Youngs didn't didn't have a great game. Also, the other the other thing I want to have a word about Twickenham. Twickenham, can you have a, can you have a word with yourself? Um, Why? I, not not Twickenham, the stadium, not the fans. The, the train station. Whoever's deciding, <laughs> whoever's deciding that every time there's a point scored, we need to hear. Dirt, dirt, I know that. Dirt. Everybody dance oh, now. God. Okay. No, enjoyed it. No, I don't no. like about no. Twickenham. Sorry, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't like about Twickenham because I love the stadium. I love the area. I absolutely adore the dress code, but what oh I don't... yeah, oh the dress code being tweed, uh, <laughs> tweed mustard chinos, and barber uh, jacket. Yeah, if you ba- got one, barber jacket, um, umbrellas, brogues, brogues. Yeah, tan, tan brogues, preferably. Yes. Oh yes, nice. Like Hunter Wellies, maybe. Even. Yeah, yeah. I like all of... that, and it's all very classic. So why do they insist with the urban fonts for all the signs, like <laughs> urban handwriting fonts? <laughs> it just doesn't seem to match up. Uh, they're trying to bring uh, new people, new people into the game. Yeah, but like, do you think you're, you're going to feel more comfortable in that environment because of the urban fonts when you're surrounded by Tanbro? It, co- it costs four quid for a pack of very—I mean, they're very lovely, but four <laughs> quid for a pack of pork scratchings in there. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you're only going to get a certain demographic. At least you feel at home because there's gra- graffiti-like writing all over the hoardings. <laughs> now, one one quick thing for the uh, England Island game, please. Yes. Billy Vunapola versus the rest of his starting pack. Ooh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Get on this week. So twice in a row, he's comfortably carried for more meters than the rest of his the rest of his pack. Today, I can tell you that he carried seventeen times, and the other seven starters carried thirty nine times. Right. So who carried for more meters? So they carried more than twice the number. I'm going to say Billy. Rob Shaw carried a few reasonably well. He got Billy had some good line breaks, though. And um, Marrow did quite well with a few carries. I'm going to say that they're about the same. Maybe the team pipped him by... No, oh no, if the 39 carries, the team will have out, out, outdone Billy. But I reckon Billy will have outdone possibly Ireland's whole pack. I don't know. Uh, I think he did outdo Ireland's whole pack. Uh, and you're correct that 
Robshaw and Itoji were the top two other mm. other carriers. But Itoji carried for 15 metres in second place. What? Robshaw, 13 metres. Billy Vanapola, 94 metres. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So he did I, 94, played 59. I tell you an amazing stat that we've... Wow. That we've wow. Spoke, he's, so he's he almost the, doubled the rest of the England pack. And carries per metre. He was like four times the number. Wow. Is he is on one hell of a run of form and what makes it even more incredible is because he is the main character uh, main carrier he is like triple man marked every single time so he's making all those meters with three men on his back it's interesting this, isn't it because yeah I agree with everything you say they are phenomenal stats but how is he able to do this because you've got Rob Shaw and Haskell working so hard at everything else because those boys really, really And it's, it's also positionally, like, a lot of number eights get put back behind, uh, back to return kick, yeah. kicks and stuff, which... He, he does a bit of. He does a bit of. But, but the back three all ran for uh, more than 50 metres. Noel, 54, Watson, 87, Brown, 79. So they were returning a lot of ball. Yeah. Billy, Billy's not used anywhere near as much as, say, Waldrum is used for Exeter. He, yeah. ma- he managed, and his, you know, we talked about this as an NFL stat. His his yards, Yak. Af- yeah, his yards yeah. after contact yes. are huge. The first time someone makes contact with him, he still manages to make. If he carries on like this, he'll yards. be approaching the standards of his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time where he broke the line. With CJ Stander literally on his back, he was carrying him on his back for another twenty yards. Literally on his back. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact those Vunapola boys? They do sound a little bit Cardiff when they talk. Don't they? How do you feel asked, about them? I've actually asked one of them. Um, how does it feel not to, you know, something like how does it feel to let down Wales or something like that? Or I can't remember exactly the question. And I was told by Mako, I'm not Welsh, bro. <laughs> that was it. Deadly serious. In a sick South Walesian accent. <laughs> yeah. Looking straight at me, I'm not Welsh. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Couple of doubts. <laughs> oh, there's one thing I spotted with uh, Eddie Jones as well. Another thing I like. So I liked his bullishness um, off the pitch. And then during the game, there was a brilliant shot of. I don't know why. They obviously was nothing more interesting to take a shot of. So they had about a whole 30 second shot of Eddie Jones walking down some stairs at one point. <laughs> I don't know why, why they focused nice. on that. But he went all the way. They showed him going all the way down the stairs and he went all the way down the stairs to just to have about a 10 second chat with Elliot Daly before saw, he went on. Yeah. Which I thought, that's like, I don't know. I just, I just get getting good, getting good vibes. Yes. Because Daly came on at 12, didn't he? Yeah. Which is interesting. No, he doesn't play there. But it makes England super attacking. It certainly <laughs> does make England more attacking. Yeah. I know, boys, why don't we talk about Cornerstone and then we'll play a quiz before we go on to our last game. Oh, fantastic. Um, well, we've actually had loads of people getting in touch with us saying... They've loads of people si- uh, 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 sign up more to the point, so thank you very much. Well, that's what I mean, t- getting, getting in touch to tell us they've signed up with Cornerstone, which and, is great. And so- all very clean-shaven. They've become a partner really out of the blue. We were all customers. We really liked Cornerstone, and they got wind of this from some of our tweets to each other. And then they clocked that we do a podcast and said, "Well, we'll give your listeners the same a deal, and we'll give you a little deal." So it's a mail order shaving thing. They send you a personalised engraved metal shaving handle, and then you can take your pick from as little as four pounds. Uh, you can get involved you can change your orders you can get stuff delivered at whatever frequency you want you can cancel um and we can give you we can get you a 10 pound discount on your first order so do what that's exactly what we did so all you need to do is go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash 
egg chasers. Now, the thing I like most is the delivery of the razors. Yeah, you must have in the past had times where you've not been to the shops. Exactly. You're, you're sh- part way through shaving and you realise that this blade is nowhere near sharp enough and you just end up pulling out half the hair and a terrible story. Wind- Wind- singles use tweezers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you use the kitchen scissors, the tweezers, uh-huh. anything to try and finish the job. With Cornerstone, that will never happen again. Yeah. And also, one handle, one razor. You, uh, you don't need to wander down to, to a shop with the razor handle to try, try trying and... on all the various razors. Yeah, and then uh, you know, obviously the vibrating function goes, or the light function goes, or the laser pointer goes. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. (laughs) None of that. It's just shaving. Yeah. Just very good pre- precision engineered German blades. So they've gi- they gave they gave us a little ten pound discount and they said offer it to your listeners. So that's what we're doing and there's loads of people getting on board. So nice one. Uh, it's cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg chasers to get your ten pounds off your first order, which you can cancel, get your money back on, whatever you want. Just um, yeah, just go and give it a go. Um, so a quiz, did you say, it's JB? Not quite a quiz. Have you it's... organised this then? Yeah, it's a game. It now... always it always makes me nervous when JB comes up with <laughs> games we haven't talked about beforehand. I think this will be no different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a bit of a surprise, and uh, it came really from watching the Wales game, um, and it's confusing, isn't it? Because Wales have a load of people called Williams, so that's confusing. Yeah, yeah. A load of people called Joneses, and of course, even the commentary team there's the Jonathan Davis and there's John, John the Jonathan Davis, Davis, right? Yeah. yeah. So and I Gareth made Davis. a brand new game. Let me just turn up my sound here. Smith Jones or Davis? No, no. it's Springbok or Nazi war criminal. So. <laughs> So, you, gonna, so you got the idea watching Wales? Yeah, because they all sound the same, right? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> oh, my God. It's an interesting... <laughs> all right, let's make this a quick game. Come on. So I'm going to read out a name, and you're going to have to tell me, is this a Nazi war criminal, or is it a springbok? <laughs> Go on, then. All right, so number one, Helmgard Muller. Oh, uh, Helmgard so, Muller. Nazi, Nazi war criminal. I'm going to say Nazi war criminal as well. Helmgard Muller. So is Helmgard Muller... A wing commander, or is he a winger? You both said... <laughs> wing commander. Wing commander. Wing commander. No. No, he's not. Oh. He's actually a springbok winger. Wow. Next one. Martin Borman. 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 I'm going to go springbok. I'm going to say Nazi war criminal. Is he a member of the most evil or, 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 uh, organisation ever, or is he a springbok? Phil says springbok. Unfortunately, uh, Tim. 
Oh, you've gone to a lot of effort with this. I'm impressed, JB. <laughs> Go on. Alfred Jodel. Is Alfred Jodel a proponent of the Blitz attack or the Blitz defence? <laughs> <laughs> blitz defence. So blitz defence is in a springbok. He's a springbok. I'm going to say he's a Blitz attack. Ah, that's a war criminal. Well, one of you knows your war criminals. Well, well done, done, Phil. Well yes. Done. Phil's now in an unassailable lead if he gets this next one right. All right. Hans and Camp. Hans, Hans and Camp. Oh, that's the, a war criminal all the way. I'm, I'm just saying that. Uh, you can say. I'm going to make it interesting. Want. I'm going to say he's right. a Springbok. Oh wow! Oh wow! So if you think he was a Springbok, you were. Correct. Yeah, he was a winger. Winner. So there we go. Uh, tune in next week for more jovial Nazi war criminal or Springbok. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to uh, you, you need to write out the TV f- treatment of that and send it to yourself in a sealed envelope so that no one can steal it. JB, <laughs> that, that's brilliant. Good effort. So, going back briefly to Billy Vanapola, should we're going to start a thing um, starting on this podcast today? We're going to have a, a good egg. And a bad egg of the week. Yeah. And the good egg going to someone or something connected with the game of rugby that we think deserves special praise and a bad egg, something we want to highlight that deserves special criticism. Would Billy Vanapola be our good egg? Yes, I think he would. I think he was the single most impressive import, uh, performance of the Six Nations this week. So yes, I would go with that. Yeah, so he's our, he's our good egg. Any suggestions for a bad egg? I mean, I'm tempted to say the Jonathan Joseph, uh, Jonathan Joseph, Jonathan Davis, Brian Moore axis. Oh, well done! For yeah. uh, for the BBC on for Friday night. The single most negative event in sports history. Yes, I, I would also say uh, there's a potential contender in Finn Russell, who was very good for most of the match. But when Italy, uh, sorry, when Scotland needed some composure and some calm and just to keep cool. He goes and gets himself sin-binned completely unnecessarily mm. for hands in the rook five metres from his own line uh, and gave Italy a, a chance of actually winning the match. So that's the last thing you really want from your 10. So he's a contender, but not even close to uh, Davis and, and Brian Moore. So we'll go equal bad eggs this week, Moore and Davis. But that's something we're going to do from now on. So that's that's another reason we want you to get in touch as the weeks unfold and as the days go by, when things happen... Uh, a good egg suggestions and bad egg suggestions for different reasons whatever reason you want uh, at Rugby Podcast you can get in touch with us on Twitter Tim at eggchasers.com you can email and I'll, um, I'll find your email and share that on the podcast as well and a good egg also contender could be Mamuka Gorgodza why? Yes, for oh, his yes, for his life saving treatment of James O'Connor on the way back from Toulon's match. What, did he just shout at him, James, you will be okay, and James snapped out <laughs> Whilst shaving his manly beard with uh, the only razors that can get through that <laughs> tough beard, the cornerstone <laughs> razor. But yeah, so you know, this, this James O'Connor story was bizarre. So when it got mentioned that he'd had a heart attack, he was like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's quite serious. Turns out it, it's fatigue and... Hypoglycemic reaction. Yeah, that's which, which that's what he's seems said. like a sugar low and yeah hypoglycemia's uh, lack of bl- like low blood sugar. Um, it's yeah, that's his response. So the so Toulon made an official response which didn't make didn't mention cardiac arrest or heart attack at all. Well, that's good, but it was widely being reported um, that he did actually suffer a cardiac arrest. They have Toulon have said he's going to have. 
He will play again, no problems with that. He will undergo some tests over the next few weeks, but they've got no no issues about him. But there's no specific uh, detail on Mamuka Gorgodzman, exactly what he did, but all it's been reported is that he was the person that treated James O'Connor. <laughs> She's incredible. If it, what a might, guy. I did see someone on Twitter say that uh, Mamuka Gorgodzman giving CPR could restart an elephant's heart. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good, very good. So, we uh, we did. You did mention it slightly earlier, Tim. We should go into a little bit more detail on the the David Smith story. Oh yeah, do that, do that. So on, I think it was Sunday night, just after we recorded, the uh, Federation of French Rugby announced that they were calling David. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean David David Smith, David Smith. <laughs> into the uh, into the French squad. I'd love to have heard what Eddie Butler would have done with that. <laughs> David yeah. David Smith <laughs> um, followed the next morning by uh, World Rugby confirming that as he's already played sevens for New Zealand, and given the fact that he's Samoan born, uh, he's ineligible for mm. France. Um, mm. Which it, it's just this doesn't sound right to me because sevens is a different eligibility criteria to international rugby, right? No, not if it, it is in the Olympics because in the Olympics you need to be a, a citizen of that country. That's right. why Quade, Quade Cooper's having an issue at the moment. So, can someone remind me how Stefan was trying to get into the French team? He yes. would have applied. Uh... So, th- this was the ch- there was a brief loophole yes. in the laws due to some changes, and it did. It did line up with the sevens as well. It was if you hadn't played, if you played for one country, but then you hadn't played for a certain period of time. I think it was three or five years. Um, you could then do an alternative eligibility route through the sevens during the qualification process for the Olympics. Right. So about two years ago, France uh, put in a list of about seventy players, of which David Smith was included, of which Brock. Brock James was included, uh, Stefan Armitage were all included as potential uh, players for this World World Cup just gone. But then I think the World Rugby, the IRB, very quickly closed, that closed, closed the loophole. Yeah. Yes. In terms of eligibility, yes. the one rule I would like to see changed, along with all the other rules I'd like to see changed, is I'd like to see Tier 1 nations be able to lose their players to Tier 2, but not vice versa. Yes. So if you are part of oh, the evil God, yeah. empire uh, of New Zealand who cap these lads like one and, and, and there's a New Zealander who got one cap when he was 22 and then he's 26 and still hasn't got a cap and is and was born exactly, was yeah. born in Fiji yeah so they go oh that, tier 2 perfect, nation perfect. back you come yeah however um, I say this and um should... What most people don't realise is that the Pacific Island teams have got more New Zealanders in than the New Zealand team have got Pacific Islanders in. So it's almost flipped around anyway now. They have more pl- more players who were born in New, New Zealand, Zealand. That's right. Yes, yeah. who, but who are of Samoan descent. Yes, rather than vice versa. Can I just talk briefly because we were mentioning England? We, we talked a lot about Billy Vanapola. I mean, Eddie. I think Eddie Jones must just be like, as privately, he must just be going home to his. Um, is he married? He's got a wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. hates okay. the cold. He must be. Go- he must be. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, he, he must <laughs> well, be. No, no, um, this is important, right? Y- you interject with stuff like that <laughs> anytime you want, JB. I like it. Well, well, uh, that's, that's, this, the, that's the detail this, I like adding in. This is important because, of course, apparently he left Saracens because she got too cold. Mm. So when asked this time, "How is Mrs. Jones?" he replied, 
I bought I bought her a larger overcoat, so now she's happy. Good luck, yeah. good chat. Because well. she was expecting to be in South Africa. Yep. Oh yeah. South African summer, tabletop uh, mountain, all the rest of it. Instead, she got a British winter. Table mountain. Tabletop, tabletop mountain. mountain. <laughs> um, what did I say? Tabletop mountain. Same thing. We know what you meant. Cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think privately, he must go home to his missus and he must just giggle going, I've got such a good squad of players. And, and you'll I've, never guess I've how just, much they're paying me. And I've just joined them. <laughs> and I've just joined them at the best time anyone yeah. could have joined this job. Yeah, <laughs> quite right. It's, hot. it's amazing. <laughs> and they're all world class. <laughs> <laughs> Maro Itoji, I didn't realise he's made his full debut now, a full year younger than both Martin Johnson and Paul O'Connell. Is that right? Wow. He is going to be something special. And he looked, I'm convinced. I'm on the. He uh, looked completely at home. I'm, I'm yeah. on the bandwagon. He did. Oh, I am fully. I'm a fully signed up member of that bandwagon. Yeah, uh, get me the t-shirt. The pr- what we we sh- I'm actually thinking if we don't do it, someone will nick that prize-winning marrow t-shirt t-shirt right, and nick <laughs> it. So we need to get those in production. If anyone wants to go into cahoots with us and help us with uh, prize-winning marrow t-shirts, yeah, get in touch at Rugby Podcast because let's make actually, this let's make this happen. A point there, Tim, because I have ordered a prototype of the Egg Chaser Club tie. Have now, you? This is for my own personal use. However, if you also want an Egg Chasers club site, if there's any demand for them out there, which of course I suspect there is a huge demand, <laughs> uh, just hit us up on Twitter. We'll see what we can do, and they might be available sooner rather than later. Maybe, maybe we could make prize-winning marrow T-shirts prizes that we give out for exceptional contributions to the podcast as well. Ah, that's that, interesting. As yeah. well as so we're going to give people who tweet us funny things marrows. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> A marrow's a marrow and a t-shirt. Marrow, or maybe a little rosette like you get in a gardening show. Yes, your prize-winning marrow contribution. Very good. We're an untapped resource. We're we're like an oil pipeline, just waiting to be drilled. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Strange turn of phrase. To yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are in we are in JB's seedy rugby dungeon, though, Phil. Um, very true. Have we spoke about Italy, Scotland yet? Not, Not properly. O- only in as much as Scotland could have thrown it away, thanks to Finn Russell. They try. They really try hard to throw these games away, don't they? They do their. They best. try their best. They, they're very proud of that Norton Nine record. They wanted. Yeah. Didn't want to see it go too too easily. I, I thought this was a great game. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. I saw the end of it. I didn't see how most of the most of the points were accumulated though. Some some good tries from from both teams. Some really good, really good handling, really good offloads. Um, some good attacking rugby. It, Scotland, it did feel like they were, they were always the better team, and yeah, they they scored some good points, got up a decent decent lead, but then just conspired to try and throw it away. It had a bit of pressure. Finn Russell dived over a rook when he really did not need to. He gets simbined. Italy scored to close the gap to uh, one one try or one one score, um, and then Scotland just did enough to to so win. Scotland still have still. Ireland and France to, to come, yeah? Yes. Now, my prediction at the start of the Six Nations was that they would win three games, and I'm going to stand by that. Based on the way things are going, I think that Scotland can beat both both uh, Ireland and France. Okay. Mm. I think you're probably right. I think France are there for the taking, and I think Ireland are too, to be, to be fair. Now, mm. Scotland, Scotland host France, which... Uh, Two weeks on Sunday, but then they are away to Ireland. Ooh, that's so not they, quite so easy. The Ireland, I think it will depend on exactly how many of their players they've got fit yeah. or injured at, at the time. 
but I'd certainly expect them to beat France based on the way that they're playing mm. and if they don't beat France we just call it another failure yes oh yeah another abject failure definitely uh, and well just whilst we're casting our mind ahead to it again we'll talk in more depth next week on next week's podcast previewing the the six uh, the six nations games which are in a fortnight's time as we sit here recording this but if you picked a winner today twickenham england wales i see, i see grand slam happening i really do, you, do. are you on the grand slam bandwagon i'm on the grand slam bandwagon now um what do i see happening do you know what i would have said england to win prior to the france game but actually do you know what we're whinging about wales uh Beating France com- comfortably when you know, I think this is the best incarnation of this Welsh team ever, and I think they'll go there and probably sneak a win. Hmm. The yeah. best thing in- in- the English fans can do is don't show up to don't show up to Twickenham uh, in two weeks' time. <laughs> have no atmosphere, play down the significance of, of the game, and hopefully Dan Vig will just forget it's happening. <laughs> He'll just toss it off, and, and that's it. <laughs> toss, it, toss it there's it that phrase yeah. again. Some interesting turns yeah. of phrase. But as soon as you start the pyrotechnics, and you know you give it a bit a big match feel, you're done for. Why? Why does Dan Bigger? He seems to catch every single kickoff, no matter which team they play. And it's not just that everyone's kicking to him. He stand. He, he's just always there where, he wherever the ball one. is. Amazing. He, he takes back. it. Is it like the Matrix? He sees things happening in slow motion, so he's got all that time to so, get to the ball wherever it is. He doesn't. It, not only opposition kicks does he catch, he also catches his own kicks. I mean, I don't oh. know if there's a statistic for this, but I think he might be one of the most successful up and under merchants that there is. Yeah, he's one of the best in the world at that. He is. H- him and. Um, Liam Williams. Liam Williams yes. is great. They were, that man they is were a superb. warrior. They were absolutely super. I thought the the rest of the uh, Welsh back. back I mean, Liam Williams bit, is like a historical uh, sort of um, aberration because people will be looking at this in in the in the future and they'll go, "Hang on, is this 2015? I thought Ricketts was cured." <laughs> <laughs> he has got bizarre bow legs. Yeah, <laughs> he really has. Um, right. Let me just get onto this then because one of the things we got loads of um, contact up. On Twitter and all the rest of it over the weekend, and I'll just read out a few of the tweets we got because they a lot of them were all on the same topic. So before we're done, we need to talk about this uh, tweet here. Uh, we've just spent five minutes watching two men try and decide if a man spent half a second too long lying down. Thrilling entertainment. Uh, and then this one. An absolute refereeing nightmare. Felt like we saw more TMO replays than actual in-game play. Let the boys play. Here, here. And then another tweet here to at Rugby Podcast. So frustrated with the stop-start method applied by the referees and TMOs. The game is not the same. Let the boys play. And then Eddie uh, tweeted to at Rugby Podcast. The whistle. The whistle. I'm sick to death of the whistle. <laughs> Uh, and at one point it was pointed out Wayne's Bar- Wayne Barnes stopped the game for cramp <laughs> I think Dan Bigger had cramp and Wayne Barnes stopped the game um, it was a very frustrating weekend to watch because there was a lot of things preventing it from being a spectacle and part of that was the lack of a- attacking accuracy and part of that was the intervention of we need the to officials. decide which way we want our game to go now, do we want an, an NFL-style game where you have basically an official for each receiver? So if anything goes wrong, even slightly, even the slightest technical infringement of, of the laws, a flag comes out, it's whistled up, and then back you come. Or do we want something more flowing? You know, like Super League, for instance, where there isn't the interaction between the TMO and the... I mean, the TMO is actually... It actually came from Super League originally. JB, do you have an opinion on TMOs? Uh, I do have an opinion, Tim, actually. 
the arm is coming over in an aggressive manner. It, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. <laughs> the, the language is stupid. The use is stupid. Um, and also, the intervention is becoming more, uh, more stupid, too. Because they used to have to ask for an opinion, but now the opinion is just freely given. Oh, yeah. I, I don't like that. I don't mind it if something dangerous or something as foul play that's been missed if something like that but if it's just saying can we have a look uh, two two phases back there might have been an incident at the the ruck there but also there might not actually why don't they do this there might not have been an incident two rucks back because <laughs> it's the same thing you're doing yeah just one little technical point on that so there was a couple of times where the game went on for a good minute and then a TMO thing was happening and then they go back for a penalty so let's say for argument's sake uh, one team attacking and one of the players I don't know did had some foul play at a ruck and he stamped on someone um, and the attacking team go on and score two minutes later that score gets chalked off and they come I, all I the way back and give a penalty for foul play but they keep the time on the clock as uh, it was yeah, good point so you've yeah, like in the NFL they go reset the clock to 4-0-1 yeah, yeah so that's only a really like no, tiny really side, but point. I think I think because I think it's relevant that, that, that and again there was one incident where I thought the um, the amount of advantage is getting ridiculous so there was one point where England got a penalty on the 10 metre line on on um, Ireland's 10 metre line and it was when Billy Vunapola made Billy Vunapola, Billy Vunapola made a run towards the left corner flag of the of the f- Irish try line yep. and got tackled in, bundled into touch one meter from the line. Mm-hmm. So he got a, one stride away from scoring a try, and advantage got brought back a full forty odd meters. And that was a clear try scoring opportunity. Really? In your scenario, if you break the line and you start ra- you get into a foot race. Actually, that's a pointless phrase, isn't it? Foot race. A race. Um, <laughs> what other race would you be doing? <laughs> On a rugby pitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Motorbike, um, horse race. If you just go uh, and you made one break, I actually think it's fine to bring it back. I'd like to see something more like you kick away advantage or oh, you go God, through, yeah. like, I don't know, four phases or three phases. That one, on knock-on advantage particularly, that one does my head in. When, when, when a rubbish kick, like, if you choose to kick it, you're making the choice to kick it. If you then do a terrible kick, well, that's tough. I think knock-on advantage, to be they honest. do say that, don't they? Knock-on advantage is very short. Well, it should be. Well, yeah. I, I just think the penalty advantage... I just I, Knock-on advantage, if you break the line or if you kick it away, I think no, that, but I that think, finishes yeah, it. I think, yeah, I think knock-on advantage, if you kick it away, it's gone. Yeah, because they used that's to, how it was, should be. There was a spate of knock-on advantage, fling it back to your fly-half and he'd take, take a shot and there's no harm, no foul. Yeah, maybe this. I'm getting too into specifics. I think if you actually stand back and broaden out with what we're talking about, the whole TMO thing, which I'm in favour of TMOs and their interventions, broadly speaking. But as the, long as you get the right decision, I think if you stand back. And there was an incident actually. I was watching. Uh, was it the Exeter game? And Austin Healy was on the commentary team. Yeah, and he was talking about. You know, just saying, for goodness sake, speed up the scrums. Yeah. Fine, you have to have a reset scrum. But actually, he just said, this is about the second time we've had a full two minutes. He said, this is, ah. the, re- this is the reason why players are massive, because they get to have a two-minute yeah. breather. Yes. Now, uh, Brian Moore alluded to this, and he is, he is right, that the more procedure, and I've said this for years, more procedure you put into scrums, the more unstable they become. Can I tell you uh. a story about a ref that I had yesterday? The worst ref I have ever come across in my entire life. It wasn't Wayne Barnes, was it? No, it wasn't. It was... <laughs> They probably were related, <laughs> but it wasn't Wayne Barnes, okay? I, I actually think Wayne Barnes is reffing very well at the I moment. Do, I do, I do, I agree. Um, 
Now, I was playing third team rugby and I was drafted in to play tight head prop. I'm no longer a tight head prop, but no, sorry, loose head prop, but so be it. And we're playing duck and field threes. Now, this referee said, I will have no back chat from any of the players. Any questions have to go through your, through your captain, nobody else. So we go down for the, for, the first, for the first scrimmage, and hookers set, don't they, by putting their arms high up, high up in, in the air yeah. and a prop will bind either side. Well, not this prop. The prop let, let the hooker bind onto him, and then he bound over onto his prop like he was a hooker. <laughs> so he's never done this before in his life. So first scrum... That sounds dangerous. Dangerous? Like, for, for, dangerous. First scrum, he turns in and ends up with his head on the floor, but then the neck, do you know when you roll your back over your neck? Oof. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm second scrum, I won't push. Same thing happened. I'm, saying, I'm telling him, you've got to go low, you've got to have a long bind, I'm not going to push this scrum... Just be careful. Just be careful. Oh my god! You you said to the guy, "Look, you need to do it like this." I'll tell you what, I won't push on this scrub. He's never going to beat me, you know. And it's third team rugby, so who cares? Um, Brilliant. So off we go again, and he just and he just collapses. And then the the bright sparks and the Duckenfield team said, "We've got an idea. We'll move him to hooker." Okay, so now you've got this guy who's never propped before sitting in a, in a hooker and then binding completely the wrong way. So I was like, right, sir, sir, I've got an issue. The referee would not let me talk to him. He then threatened me with a yellow card if I continued to whinge about the scrum. Oh, God. What a moron. He's actually lucky that no one got seriously hurt because the two guys I was propping against didn't have the mm. slightest clue. So... Without wanting to get bogged down in specifics, I think actually if you stand back and look at all of these things that we've we've just touched on, actually all it is is can we take the procedure out of the game and can we let the boys play? Yeah. Well, we, me and Phil, have, well, I've come up with it, Phil just agrees with me, um, come up with a solution for this, eliminate the knock-on. Props would be smaller, the ball would be in play for longer. I would love to see this trial. This is something that I think it's a couple of years ago this first got, yeah. You first piped up with this, and I, la- and I laugh my head off thinking, Me too. Me too. You're, you're mental. Yeah. The, the other one. And if it's the first time you've heard it, you will probably be going, Yeah, eliminate the knock on. What you're, you're mad. But just let it sit with you for a couple of days. Not and have the a th- forward pass. Have a think about knock-on. it. Not forward yeah. pass. Not, and the and, deliberate knock on is still a professional foul. Yeah. And, and, card. and yeah. if you were to score a try directly from an, an accidental knock on, even, then that would get chalked off. However,. Every or, other every other type of knock on, just play on. Or and you yeah. say knock ons exist within uh, when you're attacking in the five meter area or the twenty two. You can you can you can play yeah, around with it. No one knocks on deliberately deliberately when they have the ball. Do you know what I mean? Hit, with yeah, the ball, yeah. well, otherwise you just do a grubber kick. Or in yeah. the NFL, they'd be fumbling all the time so they could just re, uh, regather it. You know, it's low. It's loads of examples of why this is not. And a, yeah, and it would. I'd love to see it trialed at a good level because I just think it would be really interesting to see how much more time the ball's in play, how many less scrums there are, and as a result, how knackered these big lumps up well, front get. The the other way of doing it, me and Jay were discussing the other day, we just make the make the game longer, have forty five minute halves or fifty minute halves. And then you, you, the ball will be in play longer. Be epic. Yeah, and you're going to have to have fitter players, so you're going to have to have slightly smaller players. God. And we get that's a, bit, a whole lot more abuse to your body, though. That we get a bit it? more rugby. Or we get a lot more injuries. Well, not necessarily. If, if the weights come down, if the average player, so if if you're training to play for ninety minutes rather than eighty minutes or sixty minutes, like some of these guys are yeah. playing, then. The size will come down, so you're not necessarily putting put through more have punishment. Two, two unintended consequences here, Phil. One, the majority of injuries happen when heart rate heart rate is high. 
Yeah. Um, and that's just... I don't know whether that's a weird correlation or if that's actually causing... Well, it, it, the, later on in the game, yeah. when the, your muscles are fatiguing, so your muscles are not supporting your joints 100% and that Se- kind of thing. Second of all, would players not get bigger? Like, you'd, you'd love... You'd, at that point, you'd love a Billy Vinopola to come off the bench with 20 minutes to go. So, actually, they might get bigger because their advan- the advantages they'd have would be so much greater. Mm. <laughs> in the last 20 minutes. In the last 20 minutes. Yeah, maybe. What do you reckon? Add to the conversation at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. I've just remembered uh, that you were just talking about conditioning and stuff. And we should mention as well, our friends at Canterbury have got the ultimate training training event, uh, which is going to be happening. And there's a date for this now, Wednesday the 11th of May. Uh, it's going to be it's an all day thing on Wednesday the 11th of May. If you fancy having a day training with Jeff Parling, Kevin Simfield and their newest ambassador, Robbie Henshaw, uh, then you could get travel, accommodation, and a, a big goodie bag of Canterbury stash. Lovely Canterbury stash. And a day getting expert training from some of the legends of the game on both codes. Um, and you might even get some training from JB. That's yeah. right. Well, I, I, now, with with the new job at Virgin Radio starting, I will be based... I will be in central London ah. on Wednesday 11th of May, and I only do an evening show, so I'm doing this. I'm there. Oh, nice. uh, I, mean, I think I'll probably be taking some time off work to to come down and do it so, as well. Well, join join you both. So if you want to join us, you can win your place there. Uh, we we have tweeted out, and we will again tweet out the details. Um, but you, if you just search, uh, so at Rugby Podcast, you'll be able to find it. But Canterbury and it's jointhecommitted dot com. I think is their website. Which is, uh, yeah, which is also is. which is also the um, the, the strapline for Scientology. Interestingly enough, um, so <laughs> is, that, uh, is that right? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Other things on the Egg Chasers calendar is not this Thursday, but next Thursday we land in land in New York. So if you're going to watch the Saracens London Irish game. Hit us up on, on Twitter. If you're not a psychopath, we might meet up with you. I've, <laughs> I've been doing some investigations into uh, sports bars and stuff. Yes. Again, if you're from New York and you can confirm that this is indeed a good sports bar, Finity's sports bar is apparently meant to be very good. Finity's. Well, Finity's. Well, it's, like, well it's, it. it's, a, it's a good um, drink hole and um, sports bar. So we might be watching the Six Nations early in the morning there. Yes, there's about a 10 a.m. kickoff over there, yeah. isn't it? Can't wait. And, they, and like I've I've noticed these happening in Manchester and they're happening in London as well. But New, uh, New York was the is the birthplace of the fixed price boozy brunches. Now you're talking, Tim. So uh, we'll, we'll be doing a few of them. So yeah, if you're out in New York, then we'll see you there at Rugby Podcast. You can tweet to us. Right, that's it. We're done. Make sure you. Oh, a couple more things. Oh, go on then, oh, Phil. On. Worth mentioning. Yes. I think uh, the other international tournaments that are going on. Oh yeah. The uh, America's Rugby Championship. And speaking of USA, yes, uh, they had Brazil this week. I they think. played Brazil. Yes, a strong-looking Brazil side. Very strong-looking Brazil side because Brazil won. Did they? They did. They did. They scored a penalty in the last second with the last kick of the game to win twenty-four twenty-three. Huh. Don't like that. Um, and elsewhere, Uruguay sneaked past Chile twenty-three uh, twenty. And um, in a couple of hours' time, as we're recording this, 8pm um, Sunday evening, Argentina, Argentina's second team, because their first team are obviously playing Super Rugby. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that in tomorrow in the yeah. in the domestic podcast midweek domestic podcast, which will come MW- out on Tuesday. MWDP, MWDP. Yeah, uh, they they host Canada, Argentina, their second fifteen, uh, and then in the uh, second tier Six Nations, uh, it was. It was fairly one-sided scores. Um, 
Georgia comfortably beat Spain 38-7. Germany comfortably beat Portugal 50-26, which is a bit of a surprise. Mm, isn't it? Um, and Romania hammered Russia 30, 30 points to nil. Wow. So that that's the biggest surprise, I think. Wow. Uh, you'd expect that to be a very close game. Uh, so interesting over there they've been eating their Weetabix and doing their deadlifts well it means that Georgia Georgia and Romania are, they've played th- played three won three in that tournament um, and ooh, they fin- face each other in the final round of games on the 19th of March which will probably decide might, the championship I might I might actually watch that I might if, go to if, it if I, oh, what, why, where is it uh, Tbilisi oh right okay probably just get some good over. cheap flights pop over for a for a night, night out make sure you when you do that, make sure you check the price of a taxi or a drink before you pay uh, for it, because otherwise you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get stitched up. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Have you been? Uh, man speaking from experience. Same, same I don't, I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just getting very dark, pain, painful <laughs> thoughts right now. Um, that's for another day. Uh, so download the Midweek Domestic Podcast uh, at Rugby Podcast. Get in touch with us on Twitter. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com On all the things you've talked about, and we will see you next time in a bit, JB. Bye-bye, Tim. Latest, Phil. Thank you, Tim.